Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the fight in. It's the fight. 
Welcome to episode 55, season 10 of the Fighting Cock Podcast. Today I'm joined on the line by Billy T. How you doing, mate? Oh, very good, mate. Are you very good? It's, I mean, that's quite positive, isn't it? Well, mate, the pubs are open. Uh, life's slowly getting back to normal. It looks like we might finally be getting rid of this virus, or Jose Mourinho, <laughs> as he's also known. <laughs> uh, uh, Floney's Phil, how you doing, mate? Good evening. Um, I'm recovering. <laughs> Recovering from what? From the absolute train crash that was Tottenham Hotspur yesterday. Is there, is there any, any anything been like that's happened in your life that you felt like maybe it compares to what's happening right now? Some sort of illness you've gone through? Have you ever bruised your knee, broken an arm? Like what, what sort of recovery have you experienced that's comparable to what we've had to well, deal with as Tottenham Hotspur fans after we just got beat by Man United 3-1 at home? Many, many moons ago when I was in school, um, we had to write our names and addresses on some envelopes. And in those envelopes were our GCSE results, which were going to arrive at our gaff two, three <laughs> months later. So my mum's all excited. She gets the results and she sits by my bedside and reads out my results, which are pretty awful. And the <laughs> look of disappointment on her face stays with me to this day. And yesterday's game... I think we'll stay with me for a long time. Just like that. Can I just go back to that personal turmoil, T? Yeah. Uh, what, what, so sorry, you, you wrote your own your your own like expected grades on a piece of paper. No, 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 no. So that that is kind of a to be fair, that's a bit of a superfluous point. But I think they were going to send the results by post, and they just had us write the names and addresses on the envelope, and they put the results inside them. Billy. That, that uh, as someone who teaches children, would you advise that to be a thing that that, that, that the students should do? I mean, it's a bit Brendan Rodgers, isn't it? To be fair, so <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure about that one. Not sure about that. Yeah, um, <laughs> 28 years <laughs> ago, to be fair. So. <laughs> yeah, everything was fucked back then. <laughs> yeah, things are things are different. Used to wipe your ass on tracing paper back then. <laughs> do you remember that? That, that? That's not that. That isn't uh, like what you just said. There isn't like people might be listening. Like the the. the uh, Fan, you know, fans of Tottenham Hotspur who listen to the podcast from the US don't understand what it means when you say using tracing paper as toilet paper when you're a, an eight-year-old boy. Yeah, it that, that was, was like that. Toilet though. roll. That was toilet roll. There's tracing paper. It had LEA written on it as well. Flav, <laughs> <laughs> um, you and I are both from London. You know what LEA means. You know what I mean? That's London. Uh, is it lo- local? Uh, uh, so mine was Ilya. Yeah, Ilya, um, sorry, yeah, Ilya, sorry, Ilya, yeah. Oh, uh, Ilya, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 you know, hundred percent get it. It was bad. It was bad. Like, it doesn't surprise me that there were kids out there that, that you know, our age that still have trouble going to the toilet. Oh yeah, probably stand up to wipe as well. Ilya, Jesus Christ, I haven't thought about that since I was like about eight. Where I was go back <laughs> being abused by the only to- only to- toilet paper I had in my life. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we had a question from Mopo Hotspur. It says, um, we've lost 18 points from winning positions this season. Fix the individual defensive errors and we are all having a different conversation. Uh, true or false, Billy? Um, I think it's it's true to some extent, but you have to, like, that's, you know, it, it's something that's been so, like, constant throughout our season where it's not, it's not an irregular, irregularity anymore. 
has to come at the, the foot of the manager. Like if, if it's constantly happening game after game after game, there has to be something done to change it. Like every single week we seem to have a new back four. Um, yesterday we had a different back four to the one we had against Newcastle. It's chopping and well, changing every week. Six, 16th time uh, that yeah. we've had a, a new combination of, of defensive players. And yet our I, players I, are sometimes brain dead, but it's it's why are they brain dead? It's, um, why are they making these mistakes? It's because their confidence is totally gone, and and that has to, you know, has to at the end of the day has to fall to the manager. I think. Um, and our, you know, our players are susceptible to you know having their their moments of individual areas, and they do, they do. But the the constant it happening like all season since December has got to be at the fault of the manager. I think. T, what did you do? You think that, that our defensive errors could contribute to our league position and, and, and where we find ourselves, or is it about the manager? It's not just the constant. The right... It's just the constant chopping and changing. I mean, Dyer has kind of been persona non grata since the Zagreb train wreck. You know, um, him and Sissoko haven't played a minute, I believe, since then. Maybe Sissoko came on a sub at one point. Uh, these guys are just thrown in yesterday and performed as expected. It's just. It's a shocker, really, because, you know, the, I guess the other suppliers, if they play well, they'll play every week. But when we were top of the league, there were minimal changes each week. And then now he's changing, you know, he's making all these wholesale changes and they're not really benefiting. So, so I don't is know. He, is he panicking, been... do you think, like in terms of defensive lineup? Billy, is it? I think he, he, I think he is panicking because he does, he has no idea who his back four wants to be. Like, if you take Joe Roden for example, who's at the moment probably you would say our best defender, he didn't even put him in the Europa League squad. Which now looking back to it is absolutely like a comical decision when you look at how poor we were in some of those Europa League games. Um, to not put what is now looking like our best defender in in that squad is just ridiculous. Um, Toby, who hasn't re- you know he hasn't had his best season, but he's still one of our most confident defenders. He seems to be no- absolutely nowhere near the team anymore it's a constantly different back four every game and you know you can't build that sort of the relationship as a back four if you're not playing week in week out and Liverpool had the same problem but theirs was because they, their centre-backs were getting injured every single week we haven't had any injuries um you know for a while to those centre-backs so it's just it's ridiculous I think I was I was quite alarmed when Alderweireld didn't start I like it was it I, I rate Dyer <clears throat> And and I, and I, you know, as I've said many times, I don't rate Sanchez that highly, but I think Toby Alderweireld is our best defender. If you look at me, it, just in terms of experience, you'd want him in there. His legs have haven't gone. In, his legs are not not gone in in the same way that the Tongans had. So why isn't he playing? And if 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 the issue that he that he's not playing is because of some sort of relationship breakdown with Jose Mourinho, which I don't know if, if that's true or not. But if it is, then that's on Jose Mourinho because he needs to ensure that his relationships with all of the members of the squad are such that they're available to play. That That's like, you know, football management 101, I would imagine. Um, and I think yes. l- last time I was on here, I was, you know, I was... <sighs> I hadn't really. I was. I was sort of. You know. Still. I was still with Jose. I was still with Mourinho. I thought. You know. He could. It was when we just won those league games and Bale was playing well. And we looked like we were playing well. Um, since then, my biggest problem with him is these personal grudges he seems to have with these players. Like Bale has not played since that Arsenal game, when the whole team was rubbish. But he seems to be scapegoating Bale. He's not started a game since then. Toby has barely started a game since then. It's like. You know, we need to put these personal grudges aside and play our best players to have any chance of winning these football matches. Is and it, that's ultimately it, what's cost us, I think. Is it the relationships with the players that's that's impacted your 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 you know your opinion of Jose Mourinho 
over the last hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, you don't like, for example, Deli Ali. He's sort of been frozen out again. It's like these constant little patches where players are frozen out, um, and then he think, you know, the the players that he ends up playing end up making a mistake. He brings the frozen out players back in. It's just like a constant cycle of freezing players out, and um, it's just been such a, a terrible. Res- string of form as a result of it that and it's ultimately what's led to believe that you know he's he's got a go really i think that that the point you made about bell when you know going to that arsenal game he was flying like and we were being really sort of you know expansive and, and creative and we were looking to play attractive football um it looked like something was happening the the finally we could see son kane and, and bale together in some sort of attacking force. And he had a bad game against uh, Arsenal, which wasn't, you know, it, you know, in part, sorry, uh, due to him playing Doherty and Bale on the right-hand side, which was an experiment in, 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 in the most extreme. And Arsenal exploited that. But before that, all the evidence, the five games before that, it, sh- it showed that Gareth Bale was definitely the guy to play in as one part of that forward three and then <clears throat> when when son gets injured then you definitely you, you look to gareth bell at that point if he can't make a <coughs> what i've got <coughs> excuse me <coughs> Fuck, sorry <coughs> the point the the one thing i can't reconcile is the fact that that um, he's got a player as good as Gareth Bale and he can't make it work in the system that he wants to. That, that's that's one of the things that really confuses me because he is a great player. Wales use him and he's fantastic. And I'm not. I'm, I'm sure that there are elements to Wales' game defensively that <coughs> they're exploited by the fact that Gareth Bale is playing. But we have him in our squad and he still is a... And, and he's, he's proven in parts to be an absolutely world-class player. The fact that you can't get him into that team is um, is mental to me, T. I mean, the other issue I have is Son is not in good form at all. He's not had a good game for a very long time. And this was hidden in part by Bell's upturn in form. And, you know, obviously Lucas Moura had a little purple patch. And, you know, he was in and out of the team and he's been moved out wide. Are these things come under scrutiny when we're not winning games and we're giving away leads. I mean... You know, when you're winning, these things don't matter if you've got personal grudges. When Deli Ali wasn't making squads, we were top of the league, so it was fine. But now these things come under scrutiny. He's leaving out. I just don't get the logic of picking Eric Dyer yesterday. I don't see what that added. Eric Dyer is a talker, and maybe that helps Rodan as a younger defender. Maybe that's the logic I saw. But when I saw that team lineup, I just, I just immediately lost hope. But we started fairly well, so fuck do I know? Um, yeah, we did. And there, there were moments in that game where even in the second half, it felt like we had opportunities, like we were being able to play through them. And this is something that I've I've witnessed throughout this season under Jose Mourinho, is that when you give responsibility to the players and allow them to play, they can do it. We, we, our squad's good enough to do it. And and there were moments in that game against Manchester United. And, and probably that game against Manchester United was a microcosm of the rest of the season that we've witnessed so far. But we did play through them at, at, at times. And, and you know, when you look at their, their line-up, but certainly the, 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 the names on their, their team sheet when, when the game started, you thought, well, that you know, on paper, they're probably better than us. 
But we, we had our moments in that game. And I've been sort of clinging on to that idea that we are decent. We still can do something this season. But there's only so many times you can fail to achieve uh, without sort of starting to question the the head of the fish. And if the if the fish stinks, it stinks from the head. Uh, Barcelona Spurs. He says, "What would you? What, uh, what would your son have have to do to shame you for him not to feed him for days?" This is a this is a response to um, Jose Mourinho said something about uh, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's comments about human son going down after McTominay flicked him in the eye. What did you make of that that whole debacle? If it was a debacle, T. Ah, it's just deflection from Mourinho. Um, I mean, Tokyo said the same thing when Martial got sent off when Lamella hits him. It seems to have a thing for kids. Yeah, it's, and, you it's, know, so it's got a thing for kids and thing for like bad parenting as well, isn't he? Oh, I mean, you know, his own his own star boy is out there feeding their kid, and he's bringing out that narrative. What's what's he doing? You know, but um, it's for Mourinho to even credit it with the response is just deflection. Um, I don't expect Mourinho to say this is all my fault and I'll fix it, but he's not said not really gone through forensic detail of Mourinho's press conference yesterday because I don't want to see his face right now. But yeah. I don't imagine that he's taking responsibility for any of this. So, yeah, it's just a flexion. What would my son have to do for me to shame him? Not to feel him for days. Um, probably wearing an Arsenal shirt. I think nonce, uh, Jimmy's nonce, question. Nonce sister. Um, <laughs> uh, we've got another question from C... Margolius, he says, "You're Daniel Levy for one week, Billy. What do you do? One week, you've got you're, you're in Daniel Levy's shoes. What do you do? How do you fix this?" Billy, you uh, might lost him. Well, go on to you. How, how do you fix this? One week, um, Daniel Levy. I think the first thing to do is um, <laughs> sack Mourinho. I think I'll definitely get everyone on side. Who do you replace would, him with? It would, get him, it would get him on side, but it, like, what, what's that cost? Oh, well, it's costing us um, losing these games, isn't it? I mean, I've said all through the season, and I'll probably say it now, that moving Mourinho doesn't guarantee us being, you know, world beaters, but... I just think the players need a new message. The fans need a new voice. The players aren't responding to what he's doing. You know, he was hanging on because of the Carabao F- Cup final. But he can't, he just can't seem to figure, he just can't seem to solve any problems, Mourinho. So that'd probably be the first thing I'd do is sack him. Billy, if you, if you was, um, if you was Daniel Levy for a week, what would you do? Yeah, I, I saw this question and it's kind of made me think. Um, throughout Daniel Levy's reign, there's been so many what ifs. Um, it's like, what if, you know, we never left the stadium? What if he backed Harry Redknapp um, when we were, you know, flying in the league? What if he backed Pochettino when we were flying in the league? And this is another what if situation that we find ourselves in. And it comes from the top of Daniel Levy. He never seems to be able to take the final step and it always seems to backfire on us. It's backfired again. So I think we're now in a position where we're in a huge what if with Mourinho because if we sacked him now and then we lost that League Cup final, it'd be another, you know, what if 
we had kept Mourinho, would the final result have been different? If we don't sack him now and we lose that League Cup final, it's going to be, well, what if we did sack him? Um, so I just think we're constantly in a cycle of what ifs. We're, we're nearly there. We're nearly going to take this next step. But under Levy's reign, it's just never something that we've managed to do, really. Um, so to be, answer your question, I have no idea what, what we should do. Um, I just think if you got rid of Jose now and you got the players happy again and playing, our team will be sick. Like we've got Bale, we've got you know, Undombele, Gio, and these players aren't being able to express themselves. I think he's lost the, lost the players totally. But then Jose's reputation in finals, you know, it's a, it's a really difficult decision. Um, but it's a symptom of our constant, um, you know, history under Daniel Levy. And, you know, we always find ourselves in these what-if situations, I think. Well, we've got another question from Tom81. And I was born in 81 and I, um, I'm pretty sure I, I don't look exactly like Tom. But... If I did, this is maybe the question I'd be answered, and and I would have a Union Jack in my um, in my handle as well. When will this thing? And he's put a picture of Daniel Levy. This thing ever be accountable for the last for the twenty years of failure at Tottenham Hotspur? Um, T has like if we're just taking this this um, this question on face value. Has the last 20 years of Daniel Levy's reign been a failure? I don't think it's been a failure, but Billy makes a valid point about what ifs and the, decision, the times when they've needed Levy to make the right decision to push us to the next level. And, you know, arguably he's not done that. And the uh, two barren windows of Pochettino, as we, as we say every week, is one. Um, not back in red nap in that window when we were linked to Aguero and... Rossi, and you know, there's just been this, there's just been these little sliding doors moments, and he just never seemed to come out on top. I don't think it's 20 years of failure, but it's one of those things that's come up again. You know, when Spurs are doing badly, you know, the Enoch Art mob are out again, and everyone's either a Levy lover or a Levy hater. And me, as ever, I'm just ambivalent. I don't, I don't dislike Levy's pushed the club forward to a degree, but you know, I, I don't know, it just feels like. It just it just feels like we're almost always on the precipice of doing something big and it just doesn't happen. Yeah. No, I get it. I understand completely. But I, I feel like he, he's over the last twenty years he has progressed at football club. The way the disappointment we feel now when we lose to Manchester United at home is different to what it would have been like even in the Yo era. Or um you know, even uh, Harry Redknapp. Um Certainly before that, and Christian Gross, and um, if you're going further back, Peter Shreves and whatnot. No, these were eras where that we, as Spurs fans, we we didn't even think about the top four, like like a, a major European competition, let alone Europa League. Like when when Spurs got into the Europa League in 2006, and when we went away to Prague, and I was I, I went away with Spurs to to Prague in 2006, it was the best trip ever because we were doing something that we had never done before. And I feel like maybe it's partly the fact that the Premier League has exploded and everybody's expectations go along with it. But I feel like what what we expect now is, and part of the reason why it's so painful to see us lose at home to Manchester United now, is is down to the fact that we've progressed. Um, so I, I would I I I'd, 
like vehemently de- deny the fact that the last 20 years have been a failure. Like if, if winning trophies is a barometer of how successful a football club is, that's 100% he's failed. That Daniel Levy is the, the owner of this football club and everything he does should lead towards glory or success. And the fact is, in the last 20 years, that hasn't happened. But we're in a better position now than we have been ever to actually mount a proper jaunt at any major competition. And I just, I do kind of hold on to the fact that we, we, we haven't had the best ride. We've had, uh, you know, that we've built this massive stadium that's fucking cost us a fortune. Uh, we've built the training centre. Uh, and then we haven't been able to settle into this new stadium at all. We haven't been able to reap the benefits, of, the financial benefits of having a stadium like that. Like the Spurs fans, if we're going to the game and we are having to fucking walk past Noodle and Nan um, sort of food outlets and home-brewed beer in our stadium, like that's good, you know, financially viable excellent things to have in the stadium in the in in the modern era but we haven't been able to really reap the benefits of them because we haven't had a a season that isn't interrupted by a team that's fallen apart under Pochettino or a new manager under Mourinho uh Wembley disrupting half of the season when we moved in uh Mourinho's tactics failing and you know we just haven't had a chance to settle in and and look at the finances and 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 enjoy the um, as a, as a football club in, in terms of what we can do in the transfer market. Enjoy the revenue that would would come from from the stadium. I don't think we've had that moment of stasis where every just settles down and we can just function normally. And and because of that, I feel like Daniel Levy needs more time. He should be given more time, and it should in the next five years. That's how how long I think I. That it should take five years for him to properly invest in the team, and I think um, in terms of successful Levy, I think Levy's success, uh, what defines successful Levy as a fan, is very different to what defines successful Levy as an owner and Joe Lewis. So, a fan, we'd look at trophies and we'd look at constantly improving the team and like being well up there in the league and stuff. But for Joe Lewis, it's all about, you know, are we making money? Is the club marketable and all that kind of stuff? And in that area, Levy has, without a doubt, been incredibly successful. He's made us, you know, I think we're, I think it's just come out that we're in the top 10 richest clubs in the, in the world currently today. And we have a, you know, world class stadium. But we've won one trophy in his reign at the beginning. Um, So, I think. Whether you think Levy's success is very different if you're a fan and if you're the owner, Joe Lewis. So in terms of Levy being accountable to Joe Lewis, you know, at the moment he's making him money. He's he's progressed the forward, pro- progressed the club immeasurably since he started. So um, I, I, I think but, you've got, but, got to think how, about that as well. How I'd counter that, Billy, is that I am a fan and I do want all yeah. those things, but I'm also I'm also sort of understanding of what's gone into creating the foundations for which we could potentially you know, do very well. And I just feel like it's so easy to say, oh, we didn't have that. We didn't sign for two seasons or, you know, since we moved into the new stadium, nothing's changed, but we didn't sign in the two seasons because of the stadium. Uh, Pochettino, Pochettino didn't do well, uh, you know, after those barren transfer windows because of the stadium. We now have that stadium and it's 
built and you know the payments going back to the banks and whoever we loan money off to do it uh, are you know not substantial they're, they're, they're ones that we can manage so let's just see what happens next if 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 in four years five years there isn't another pandemic and there isn't a uh, if, if football just resumes then I feel like at that point you can say all right Daniel Levy Enoch Joe Lees whoever it is isn't you know isn't what we need and I think we're at a very very important point right now because we've made huge strides both on the pitch and off the pitch in the last five six years but at the moment we're going backwards very very quickly um so unless something changes within the next you know few months it's a huge huge summer for us yet again um all that hard work is going to be undone we you know we're you know we're, we're heading we're sort of heading more towards mid-table than we are at the top of the league, which is a serious worry for, for everyone. Because even though you talk about success and marketability and all that kind of stuff, it comes to a point where you need to be playing in the Champions League for any of that stuff to be achievable. And we're, at the moment, we sort of seem to be sort of going backwards rather than forwards. But something's got to change. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Do you, do you think that... Um, and one of the things that he's on Daniel Levy right now is he has to make a decision sooner or later about Jose Mourinho and we're going to come on to what might happen from that point onwards but he, he it feels like it's becoming untenable for Jose Mourinho team, I think it, you, I, I, oh, sorry go on, yeah, go on. Sorry, you go first. yeah I think it's a matter of I think it's a matter of when, not if, isn't it, to be honest. And the when is now a difficult decision because of the cup final and because how many more, how long do you allow this? Because if, we, if we, we've got seven games to go, if you introduce a new manager now, we could win all seven of those games and, you know, be well up there for Europe and stuff. If we don't, if we wait till the end of the season, we could have lost the cup final. We could be finishing eighth, ninth. Harry Kane's going to want to leave and all this. So, again, as we said earlier, it's a, it's a very difficult decision to make now. He's got to make the right call there. T, what would you say? Um, something I've said all along was that Mourinho was available, so Levy had to pounce and get him. So that makes sense. And I've not been, I'm not going to say I'm massively Jose in, but he's a manager and I want him to do well. I wanted him to do well. So uh, for that reason, I wanted him to see the season out. But I just, at this, at this moment in time, there's not many top, top managers available. So you know, if someone listens to me tub thumping saying, get rid of the cunt, and we do. Do we bring in? I don't know. Do we bring in Rafa Benitez, who is just as pragmatic? Do well, we have well, a Levy and Mason combo? Sorry, a Ledley King and Mason combo? Well, well, I don't we'll, know. we'll come on to what, what might happen next because uh, we've got some odds from William Hill uh, shortly. You'll be excited to hear. Um, but I, I think we're all sick, and, and, and I've been like a, a major. I, I think I'm more sort of patient than, than most Spurs fans are and that's not to say I know more I don't I, I know fuck all I just I don't know talk about how I feel but um, I think we can all agree right now that we don't want to see that pickled onion on our bench anymore well the season ticket renewal is open today so you know I guess people are going to wait till June the 3rd until they make the decision uh, Quinn Wilson, he says, uh, as a relatively new Tottenham supporter from 2014 onwards, uh, what would you say to someone who hasn't experienced an ugly patch with our club like this before? Billy, how, how would you explain Tottenham to someone who had only followed us since 2014, which would have been when Pochettino took over, I think? Um, well, first of all, I would say you've had a pretty incredible running because you've watched us play in the Champions League final yeah. um, but I think this 
misery now that we're going through is what to be honest what makes being a Tottenham fan it's what we're about isn't it it's like our bread and butter we're, we're always that team that nearly gets there and then fucks up um, and if you can't stick with this and you can't you know go get through this misery and you can't sort of deal with it and process it then you're at the wrong club because it's just a constant it's, it's just a constant constant being let down but that's that's what we love isn't it that's why we love Tottenham it's always these terrible lows that we're going through right now will always make the next high even better and that's what we love as Tottenham fans um it's that we you know we love the chase um and then hopefully one day we will get that success and it will be so much better than it would be if we hadn't gone through these ridiculous low points that only we seem to suffer um these you know incredible events that happen to us and no other club all this stuff that we always go through um, I think the lows are incredibly low with Tottenham fans, but the highs are incredibly high. Um, oh, when, when they when it goes, that's what we when, love. When we achieve it, the, the, it's like Quinn. The, 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 un, uh, like it's unfortunate that you haven't sort of witnessed the low points, because part of the reason why going to Prague in two thousand and six, I know that was eight years before you started joining football, but part of the reason why going to Prague in a Europa League qualifying game in September was so magical was because we hadn't been in Europe. Like Spurs hadn't had a sniff around Europe for years. And we got it. We finally got it. And that wasn't winning the trophy. All it was was finishing, I think, was it? Yeah, yeah, we finished fifth in, in, in the league. I, I think under under the old. We finished fifth in the league and we qualified for the Europa League. And it was the best two days, three days of my life like easily up there because we hadn't had anything like that before and we had it we got it when we won the league cup against uh, Chelsea in 2008 when Woodgate scored that goal it bounced off his head and went into the net the feeling I felt at that moment was like nothing else I'd felt when we beat Arsenal 5-1 at White Hart Lane um, uh, which was the semi-final before that, that that game at Wembley against Arsenal uh, against Chelsea, um, the, the the feeling I felt in that game, which wasn't winning the trophy, just because we had so many lows before it, so we had no expectation of beating Arsenal over two legs. We had no expectation of beating our, uh, Chelsea in the final, but we did it. And when we do it, the feeling is indescribable. And the problem with expecting so much as we do right now is that when we achieve it, it doesn't quite feel as good as it used to. And that, that's... That's one of the worries I have. But if you started supporting Spurs in, in 2014, then you're on. And it's I like think... Uh, it's like... You're gone. And it's all relative as well. Like a disastrous season for us now is finishing eighth in the league. So, you know, we've come a long, long way since, you know, you know from, from back in the day. Um, it's, it's all relative. But I think there's, a, there's a, a tiny... Well, it's probably quite a large part of us, if we're totally honest. There's a part of us that, you know, enjoys this sort of role in the universe we have of always being that club that fucks up. And it's just what we're here to do. And we might as well embrace it. We're always going to be that Tottenham. Um, so fuck it. We might as well embrace it. So, uh, yeah, that, that that's interesting you say that because I, I, I want us to be the, the, the team that wins it all. But I'm not uncomfortable in losing valiantly. Can you and, actually and imagine that? Can you actually imagine if we went through like three leagues, three league seasons in a row and won like three or four trophies in those seasons? It's just, it don't, you can't comprehend it, can you? Like, it's just not something uh, that's probably... You imagine being in the stadium, going away, going away with Spurs and, and, and we're smashing every team up and... People looking around going, this ain't Spurs, this ain't Tottenham, this ain't proper Tottenham. 
Like, I'll tell you about proper Tottenham. That's losing. Sounds shit, doesn't it? I don't even want success. Fuck trophies. I, I just yeah, want to finish fuck. ninth. I mean, under, he, he, was, he was supporting us under Pochettino, so there was some relative success during that time. But actually, feel alive. It's like um, Flav, you said this countless times before. A lot of teams, anything they have, is how their football team gets on. The Spurs is so much more than just the results on the pitch. You know, um, obviously during the pandemic, we don't really, you can't really hug and spit in each other's mouths like we used to do. But I just think there's so much more to Spurs than just the results. And you know, the good times, the good times aren't that far away. I mean, I, I'm feeling a bit down on what Mourinho's heading the spike right now. But you no, know, we beat we we beat Everton, and you know, I'm in love with them again. And football, there's so many peaks and troughs. This season is. An abnormal season, not just because we're not doing well, but just because of the pandemic and teams being up and down. So I just think, as Flav said, you just got to signpost the good times. And since 2014, we've had a load of good results and an Ajax game. So you've got to kind of think back to how you felt in those times when you're feeling down like this. You just know that those good times are going to come again. Because so go yeah, when we're shit, I feel like we're paying in. This we're putting our money in. Like I know we financially put our money into Tottenham and all of us spent way too much more money following our football club because of the way football's gone. But like in terms of, you know, enjoying future successes, you're paying in when you're watching football that you don't want to watch. Like I remember when um, uh, it was in Ramos's first season, or his first full season, and we were really excited. We bought Darren Bentley, uh, David Bentley, uh, bought Darren Bent. Uh, Giovanni De Santos, I think. Uh, yeah, we bought lo- yeah. loads, of, loads of lovely players, and we were all really excited. And then, um, and then, uh, yeah, we were, we were uh, two two points from eight games. One of those games, I think, this last uh, Ramos's last game was against Wigan, and uh, Steve Bruce's Wigan. <laughs> See, imagine, imagine how shit Wigan is, and imagine adding Steve Bruce to Wigan. That's that's what Spurs were drawing nil nil against Steve Bruce's Wigan, and I don't in, remember that game. Oh, I was in I was in the Park Lane, and and we were singing "We Are Tottenham, Super Tottenham, We Are Tottenham from the Lane,", lane yeah. over and over again. It was literally the loud, one of the loudest supports I've ever been a part a part of. It was fantastic. It was I felt like properly t- attached to the football club. I felt like. A, this is this is this is why I you know go go football. This is why um, you know why football to to a certain degree the things that happen in the pitch isn't associated to why we all love our football club. So what was happening on the pitch was terrible. It was shit. Ramos is about to be sacked. We're all in all sorts of trouble. We're probably going to get relegated. It was that that bad. But the Tottenham faithful in White Hart Lane that night or that day, sorry, were loud really loud and it was stoic uh and it was backs against the wall and regardless of what had happened we were Tottenham from the lane and it was it was just fucking brilliant and do you know what a part of me would give up all of these aspirations of Champions League football or winning the league or finding the next greatest manager Nagelsmann or whatever it might be just to take me back to that place where I was just comfortable with the idea that Tottenham could do something one day in the future, but right now, being a part of the collective was more important. 
And uh, I think if if um if Will Smith walked into my house now with the pen from Men in Black and he said, "Look, I can erase everything about Tottenham from your memory and I'll make you a Man City fan," um, I genuinely I would tell him to fuck off. And then I, you know, I wouldn't do it because I think this is what we live for at the end of the day, isn't it? This is what we signed up for, and I wouldn't change it for anything. Mm. This is what we signed up for. That's it. Fuck like, off, no. Will Smith, basically. Will, Will Will Smith can get in the fucking bit. If he come in the house now, I'd set the dog in him. I really would. <laughs> like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change any of it. I wouldn't change any of it. And I know it's difficult. Like, I I do this this <clears throat> show on um for, for I do I'm, I'm doing some work with a, a, a big company. So I'm trying to downplay this without sounding like a fucking dickhead, but I, I do I do a show with a company on on Monday mornings, and part of that work is working with DT from as you probably know, Arsenal fan TV, and I I, I just thought that you know he, he's probably all right, you know he's you know what you see is probably not what you actually get, but yeah, it is it is exactly that, and it isn't <laughs> DT, it's all Arsenal fans, it's all of them. And what we have, uh, you know, and, and just to go back to the question with, um, from uh, Shut Up Patrick, uh, is that we will never be them. We could never be them. We would never want to be them. Despite all the things that their club have achieved for them, they remain the weird little scumbags that they are. And it's, it's important, I, I think, as, as, as Spurs fans to not be that. And you know, fuck it. We don't win. We don't win trophies. We don't. We don't win league titles. We don't. Um, you know, I tell you what, we do do. Finish above Arsenal, for fucking five years on the bounce. That's something. Like this is going to be tough for you, actually, Patrick. This is going to be tough for you because we, if we don't finish above Arsenal this season, that's going to be something that's going to be really tough for you because we live through that for, for our entire um, Tottenham Hotspur. Um, existence not finishing above Arsenal and for the fact that we've done that in the last five years four of which was or, 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 yeah four of which was under Pochettino that, that you know that's going to be tough for you but it's going to be a case and I think of, this uh, year as well it, I think this year as well it's going to be like finishing eighth and seventh fast or Tottenham's I think it, no club has really got the right to brag over the other one it's like it's, it's like the world's tallest dwarf kind of situation, isn't it? For both, we've both had a pretty terrible season, so but, you know, if they fin- if we finish above them, great. But if they finish above us, we're both, you know, it's both embarrassing. T. <laughs> uh, 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 George uh, P- uh, Piaccio, Piaccio, oh, whatever. Uh, which of our former managers would you have in interim charge for our cup final? They have to be alive or unemployed. So would you take oh, Pochettino isn't available because he's employed? That would be be Redknapp, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think Redknapp might be able to to pull it off. Ramos? Imagine Shearwood, Shearwood though. That would be just be worth it for that for the whole factor of the fact that Shearwood could win us a trophy. That would just be absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Fucking hell, I'd be suicidal. Yeah, I'd actually not want us to win one if he, if he was in charge. <laughs> Like, like you remember, like that—that that was just before Pochettino's reign. Like, what what are your memories of Sherwood's reign at, uh, at Tottenham? T. Hatred, anger, not going to games because I was sulking at him being our manager. I just think it's one of the worst periods. I can't say one of the worst periods because we've we've almost gone out of business. So I'm not going to go as far as that, but 
Um, for me, there are pretty dark days, and it was just oh, I just hated him so much. I've not hated a manager as much as I've hated him. And no, I just, I just, I wasn't. I mean, obviously now you don't look forward to games because you know it's going to be a bit boring. But it felt like, well, like this times a thousand under Sherwood. Uh, Billy, what what are your memories of Sherwood? I remember, um, I remember one time under Sherwood, I got the train up to Liverpool Way. It was a huge journey. I sat in the worst seat imaginable. I couldn't see. I literally could not see either goal um, mm-hmm. from my seat because of the way that the railings in the stadium work. Um, and Tim Sheward, I don't know if you remember, he did not even come out for the game. He sat in the stands, I believe. Yeah, he did, um, yeah. And we lost 4-0, and I think that's um. probably my lowest point as a Tottenham fan. Um, <laughs> that is, you know, travelling all the way to Liverpool, I couldn't see either goal, couldn't see any of the match hardly, didn't even have a fucking manager on the sideline. It's just, what am I doing? This is So when you talk about supporting us from 2014, those are the kind of things, you know, those are the lows that you you might have skipped if you skipped the Sheward era, like... Billy, I'd imagine despite the football, you had a good day. I had a good day, mate. Yeah, I had a good day. But um, yeah, that was a real, real low point on his management in general. Um, and we seem to be real as, as you know, comes back to full circle. We seem to be closer to that period now than we were um, yeah. in the five years that he left. So we've gone backwards again. 100%. Uh, William Hill, our, uh, our, our, our backers and our, our partnership uh, bookies. Uh, they're also the main partners of uh, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And they have Jose as 3-1 to one to be the next manager to leave. Um, and no, man- no manager to leave is uh, favourite at 11-8. to eight. So they actually think that no manager will leave. But Steve Bruce is the next at 4-1. to one. So apart from no manager leaving, uh, Jose Mourinho is favourite at 3-1. to one. Um, like, can you can you see this, Billy? Towards the end of the season, is there any chance that Jose Mourinho is sacked? Like, can, what what do you think as a as a fan? I um again, I think it's a difficult one. I think the funny thing about those odds is we've basically kept Steve Bruce in a job because he out fucking outplayed us a week ago. We lo- we got outplayed by a man who has gravy coursing through his veins, um, <laughs> and we managed to you know give him another few weeks in the job. Um, this, I can't can't really imagine a situation that gets so bad that we'd have to sack him before the end of the season because uh, unless we we're probably gonna we've got Everton on Friday night if they beat us we've still it's that cup final that I think is always going to keep him there um, after that I think if it gets like totally, if we get smashed in that final and you know we keep relentlessly losing the league games he could go but I'd be very surprised if he went before the end of summer to be honest. Uh, T. I don't think um, he gets sacked before the season ends, realistically. Um, I think we're just going to have to ride it out. But yeah, Steve Bruce won yesterday as well. So you know, probably, I think, last season, last week's game probably came a bit of a bit of a bounce in his step. But no, thinking with my head, I think Mourinho sees us out for, for better or worse. What if, um, what if uh, the odds were that Steve Bruce was going to take over Jose Mourinho at Tottenham Hotspur? Would you honestly, would, like, if that happened, boys, would you give up following Spurs? You know what we said about this is what I signed up for. That is not what I fucking signed up for. I would fuck, <laughs> I would fuck right off. I'd, go, I'd get Will Smith back in the fucking room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we love, we love a bit of failure. We, you know, we're, we're happy like not doing well, but fucking Steve Bruce. Imagine his big rubbery head turning up, going. 
All right, Harry Kane. Right, this is what I want you to do. <laughs> and we, he fucking outplayed us. That was for me was the last straw of Mourinho. Is that Newcastle? They didn't just like draw with us. They actually outplayed us for ninety minutes. It was fucking embarrassing. Another low point. <laughs> How low is this point? You know what? No, what? Like, again, like it's, how, again, how it's long is it? Because you, you talk about low points. At the end of the day, we're six, we're six points off the top four. It's like, and we're in a cup final. Um, you know, it's all relative in it. But it's just, I think what's been lost is the connection between the players and the fans and the manager. It's all totally yeah. um, come to a complete, a complete standstill. And there's no that connection's gone, and that's why it feels so low. You know, in terms of relative success, in terms of the league, we're, we're still only six points off the top four, and we're in a cup final. It should. That's not. On the face of it that bad but I think because it's so like miserable and the, the it's toxic at Tottenham I think that's why it feels a lot lower than maybe it is on paper uh, Nagelsmann is a favourite to take over from Jose Mourinho um, I won't sort of ask what you think about Nagelsmann because do you know much about him Billy? I, I can't I can't claim to know that much about him. All, all I know is that, you know, if you look at some of the clubs that he's linked with, like Bayern, Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, and he seems to have done a very good job without spending a lot of money, would seem, for me, would be, seem to be the one that would hopefully take over. But again, he's he's a very, very sought-after manager. It's, you know, it'd be, be a, a miracle to get him, I think. I think, yeah. He's very, I mean, very strongly linked with the Bayern Munich job at the moment. Well, who, I don't know if he's any better than any, any of them. I don't know if he's better than Pochettino or Jose Mourinho, but... If we can get him, he's got a nice, sexy surname. Uh, he comes from another country. He is young. Just get him on all of those those factors, I think. I think we get a director of football with him. I think that would be helpful. Dennis Wise. <laughs> get Dennis Wise It took Wise me a second in. to clock what you just said. <laughs> um, Can you uh, imagine? Do you, know, do you know who's odds have shortened on being the next Tottenham Hotspur manager? Rafa Benitez. God, isn't he in China working? I don't know, but the odds are short. Like we can, we can. Get, if, if there's a manager in China working, he's definitely. If it is Rafa Benitez, and there's a a club like Tottenham going, we need you to come over. Will you come? He's going to definitely cut cut his uh, cut his losses and leave that contract and come over. Surely, like surely he's earned earned God knows amounts managing in China. Do, what 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 what? What's your reaction to Rafa Benitez potentially taking over at Tottenham? I think the thing for me is it's too too similar to Mourinho. Um, he's a pragmatic manager. He's got a history of good good history of winning trophies. But I think you know with with what's happened under Lever, we tend to normally go for um, a big name manager and then a project manager and then a big name manager. We seem to be in that sort of endless cycle again. Um, I think I think the way that's going, I think we're at that point now where we're going to have to get a project manager in. Um, I don't think Benitez is the, is the right person. I think because of the way that Mourinho has not worked out. Um, for me, it's just too much of a similar appointment, and you'll probably see the same sort of things happening. I think we've got to go for a, a bit of a palate cleanser, to be honest. About you, T? Yeah, I don't think. I think I would have wanted Benitez in 2014. Don't think I'd want this incarnation. Very similar to Mourinho, and it can get ugly with him as well because he's, he's quite an abrasive character, and I think we probably need someone who's going to put an arm around the players at least, and I what don't see you- that in Benitez. What did you say about Brendan Rodgers? Uh, a bottler, isn't he? I mean, Leicester got spanked yesterday, although they almost came back into it. Just seems to bottle it. So maybe he's got Tottenham in his DNA. Yes. He's definitely a better looking football. And if he does go 
a shade of Brendan Rodgers, it would be because of the results, not because of him being awful, an awful human being. So, Billy, be would, so you bad, take, would you take a, a bottler, but you know, a, a bottler that plays attractive football? I think, yeah, I think, you know what? I think Brendan Rodgers would be a, a decent appointment just because, we're at the, like T said just now, we need a manager that's going to put his arm around the players, get us playing good football again. Um, and, you know, he looks, you know, he's done that at Leicester. He did it at Liverpool as well. He got him playing some of the best football in the league. Leicester played some of the best football in the league. And he does seem to have this bottling thing in him. But, you know, hopefully um, that's what we're all about, isn't it, really, the bottling. So, fuck it, might as well go for go for another one. What, do you think Allardyce would get us into the top four? <laughs> no. What? Why? 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 He's never think, been given. I think his time has gone. I think he's his ne- time has gone. He's never been given the opportunity, though. Maybe Tottenham Hotspur should give Sam Allardyce the opportunity. Did have the opportunity like, once, and it went tits up. He was at Newcastle, and Newcastle were good, and it didn't go well for him there. And England. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, what I'm going to say is that. If you are gonna if you are gonna get rid of Mourinho now in the summer, we need to rethink the, the structure, the director of football. When we brought in Martin Yol, we had um, Frank Arneson in there, who's the director of football. So maybe we need to be thinking about getting rid of Hitchin, getting a proper director of football, and maybe then picking a manager, perhaps. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point um, because it seems to me like um, Hitchin is sort of making a lot of buying a lot of the players. Um, I think this summer we had sort of a mixture of some Jose Mourinho picks and some Hitchin picks. And then what you're left with is a manager who's sort of not going to pick these players that Hitchin's picked. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like Bale, for example, was a Jose Mourinho signing. I think that was a Daniel Levy signing. You know, Stephen Bergwijn, I think, was a Hitchin signing. And you've got all of these sort of signing from different people. It needs to be coming, it needs to be feeding into each other because um, there's no sort of real system in place at the moment. I, I think a director of football is as important for us as a, as a manager at the moment. Okay. All right. Well, this has been the Fighting Cop podcast. Thank you very much, Billy, for getting involved. My, my pleasure, mate. Up the Spurs, up the misery. Do you know, do you know it would be great just to, after a proper good pumping, just to get you on and like not sort of have to break down the misery that is Tottenham Hotspur. Because we love the misery. That's what we're about. Fuck it. Yeah. It's, it's harder, though, isn't it, when, you, when you're in lockdown and you've got no one to embrace. After the misery, like after that game, like when I was on the sofa, uh, you know, we just lost three one, and the game went the way it did, and I was just like, "This year, shit." And should have gone around Eric Lamella's house, mate. He loves the party. He would have, he would have welcomed you in. No, I just, I just wanted my mates, and uh, you know, like a proper, like sort of weird, horrible little speedy coke bump. That's what I wanted. Oh, that's what we're getting back to now. The pubs are open today. If we're going to lose the next seven games, at least we can go to the pub. Fuck it. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, uh, Felonious Phil, mate, thank you so much. I'm going to say you've done it again for the second week running. What? The abuse that human son and Daniel Levy got. I, I wasn't aware of it. Oh, someone talked about Daniel Levy being a tight Jew and oh, human son got a bit of racial abuse for diving. From who? From Spurs fans? Uh, I think the abuse for him and Son came from Man United fans. Oh, this is because the, the the lash out. What what did you make of that? That that sort of lash out. I thought like, it was quite he... funny. It should. I don't. I've, I've definitely go to the stud, but you know, it's just sad that you know he's getting racially abused, and Spurs come up with a very generic statement. 
I think we're at a point now where the players getting racially abused, you've got to come with action, not just a generic statement that the club stand against racism. We've got to just say, look, boom, next four or five days or next week, there's not going to use social media or something because, you know, it's yeah. just it's just very cut and paste, these statements now. Yeah, and I think one of the things for me that I saw about the son abuse is a lot of Man United. I, I, I wouldn't say a lot of Man United fans, but I saw some Man United fans say, um, you know, it's horrible that he got racially abused, but he did dive. Um, when a player is being racially abused, there is no buts. There's no room for but or but this, but that. It's it's abhorrent and it needs to be um, stamped out completely. There's no there's no buts when it comes to that. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He got raci- racially abused, but he did dive. Yeah. So, so um, the dive, say, so, you know, I, that he deserved it, truly. That he deserved, he deserved to get racially abused because he did dive. It, the, 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 I was about to say he didn't dive, but it doesn't even matter, does it? It doesn't matter whether he dived, whether he done a exactly. front flip it's or a back even, flip. It's not even relevant. Um, do you know what? Like, we are, uh, you know, we all love football, but. A large part of the people that love football are fucking cunts. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, fucking doesn't matter. I, 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 you know, you only need to go into a, a you know, a pub in in Tottenham and and listen to the conversations that are being had there after something goes wrong or after Daniel Rose has had a bad game and just hear it in the peripheries of you. Uh, you know uh, the you know the pub or the place where you're drinking and you just hear it so it's just you know it's a, it's it's just something that we don't have to deal with or you don't have to deal with T more so than us but it's it's a fucked up situation and I'm getting you must be sick of sick of this going on you must be T it's, it's tiresome and the well I don't say the interesting thing is that um you know, in this case, the abuse was suffered by someone who's East Asian, and in the chairman's case, um, someone who's Jew. Um, anti-Semitism. There's so many tropes that do the rounds in the media. One of it's being what Levy earns and the money he makes for the club. And sometimes those are like, um, there's just very, very subtle digs that the media and some fans put in there. So getting that abuse isn't new, but it's very, very unpleasant. And I'm glad that you know the club have addressed it. Because I think the club, I think David Lammy quote tweeted the guy and the club responded saying, yeah, we're looking into what the bloke said about Daniel Levy. And that's for Hingman Son, it's just, you know, it's just, it's, it's a disgrace. And um, I believe, I just think, you know, as you said last week, Flav, I just think we're at a point now where the clubs have got to do something. Even if, I'm not saying that the club boycott on social media for a week or whatever is going to stop racism, but it just shows that, look, we're doing something other than just saying, yeah, you know, it's, it's abhorrent and we don't stand for it. It's, it's, it's given that the fans and the club stand behind Sonny. Just t- take some action. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's all the stuff we said last week. Uh, twice, in fact. And, you know, the Rangers have done it. They've done it. They've, 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 they've been the first club to, to take a step back and say, actually, we're not using your platform anymore. Spurs have to, to be the next one. And we'll keep pushing them, keep talking about it, and keep uh, you know hold to, like to to be a part of a conversation and force Tottenham Hotspur to um, 
do something that actually means something rather than just we back our players because you back their players. Of course you do. All right. Absolutely. Uh, Flowing is filth. Uh, Billy, thank you so much, boys. And um, we'll be back on Friday with another podcast. Up the Spurs. Take care. It's the fight in. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 When I clock out of the hospital at 6 p.m., I'm not done for the night. That's when Gamer Nurse 40 clocks in, and she's got orcs to slay. Sure, I'm playing a 13-year-old in Scranton, but he's a level 53 mage with a filthy mouth. So I need to stay on top of my game. What'd you call me? That's when I crack open a Heineken Zero Zero. Zero alcohol, but just as refreshing. So I can focus on stealing his gold before his mom tells him it's bedtime. Take that, kids. Heineken Zero Zero. 0.0% alcohol. Now you can. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Enjoy responsibly. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.